0: It's fair to say that Netflix has made some decisions in the past that could be considered as questionable. The Sandler deal, password sharing crackdown. However, it's our opinion that there is always a diamond in every rough. Is a full on balls out comedy that diamond? Find out as we attempt to prove to you that Game Over Man is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A, grades in B, movies. Now, on this show, we have occasionally referred to a movie as, quote, unquote, a very carry movie. And I think this one might very well be the definition of a very cary movie. But that can only mean one thing. My lovely special guest host is Carrie herself, my lovely wife. How are you doing?
1: I am stoked to be talking about Game Over, man.
0: Now, whenever you log into Netflix and you kind of hover on one of the movies or one of the TV shows, they always play like a little snippet of a trailer. And I remember when we were kind of hovering over this one, and I think it was under like Stupid Laughs or something like that. And they played the trailer and you're like, hello there, stupid movie.
1: Well, it was all about Shaggy. <laughs>
0: hey, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: wasn't me. It was all about Shaggy.
0: So to our listeners who are sitting right now going, wow, nice with the inside jokes right off the Top guys, please describe to us what you would consider to be a very cary movie.
1: Okay. So there is a checklist of criteria and this here movie checks all the boxes. It is wrong <laughs> in so many ways. It's overly violent, like comically overly violent. Now, Here's a disclaimer. I'm not a psychopath or anything, but I do enjoy a really good (laughs) psychopathic movie. And and this one is just that. It's funny. It has illicit drug use. It has shaggy. It has... um, and 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 I'm not talking about Scooby Snack Shaggy, but it's got it's got all that and a bag of chips. It's so good.
0: I love the fact that on this podcast you now have to clarify that you are not a psychopath in any <laughs> sense of the word. Also, by the way, if that is the criteria for what is a very carry movie, that's how you know you have wife goals. All right, so winner winner chicken dinner. I am. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, But before we go down this road, before we tackle Game Over Man, it is time to take this movie, this very Carrie movie, and trailerize
2: it. You thought towering Inferno was intense. You loved the action of Die Hard. Now, watch as another tall building gets messed the F up in Game Over Man. The two crew find themselves in the middle of a hostage situation and are the only ones able to rescue anyone. And if that's whose hand my life is in, it's been nice knowing you. Adam Devine rocks out with his rooster exposed in a film about three slackers who have to nut up and bust the balls of the terrorists looking for a payday. From a visiting party-happy Instagram celebrity in a movie that proves by its very plot that society has failed you. It's Game Over, man. Rated TV MA for mutilated appendage. (laughs)
1: many 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 many
0: (laughs) mutilated appendages oh
1: god where do we begin
0: yeah everyone
1: was numbered
0: well i mean that was the okay (laughs) full-on disclosure here spoilers like a mofo we are going to spoil parts of this film so if you happen to like completely dumb fun comedy movies Go watch the film and then come back and listen to the rest of this episode. But if you're like, dear God, there's no way I'm clicking on that title, well then stick around and enjoy the show. This film stars Adam Devine, Anders Holm, Blake Anderson, Aya Cash, Daniel Stern, Neil McDonough, Rona Mitra, Sam Richardson, Utkarsh Ambutkar and Jamie Dimitriou. And <laughs> Nicely done. I thought so. Uh, there are cameos too by Steve-O, Shaggy, Mark Cuban, Donald Faison, Action Bronson, Fred Armisen, and Gillian Bell, and a few others. The film is directed by Kyle who who is also the producer-director on Workaholics, of which he worked with Adam Devine, Anders Holm, and Blake Anderson on. The film was released March 28th, 2018, and had a budget of $27 million. It's a direct-to-Netflix movie, so there's no box office. However, believe it or not, there's an award here.
1: Oh, oh. there's
0: a nomination, and it's not a Razzie.
1: Fascinating.
0: This film was actually nominated for Outstanding Achievement in Sound Editing, Sound Effects, Foley, Music, Dialogue, and ADR for a non-theatrical feature film broadcast media. It lost to Extinction, which was also on Netflix. So, yeah, it actually got an award, a legit award nomination.
1: That's interesting because that was one thing that wasn't on my radar. I mean... Maybe it was, but in the back of my mind, because the comedy was just reigning supreme.
0: But. Right. Uh, the film, however, the reason why we're here, and aside from the fact that this is a very scary movie, is the critics. Over at Metacritic, this film has a meta score of 32. And over at Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score is 47%. The tomatometer is 18. 18%. Yeah, which, what
1: do the critics know anyway? I mean... Clearly,
0: clearly, this is not a film for the critics in by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> no, here. it is not. But the thing is though, obviously the, the main three guys were all in workaholics together, so it kind of feels like a spin-off from that show. But are you surprised at the forty-seven percent audience score?
1: You know what? I I'm actually sitting here surprised and astonished that it's that high <laughs> there's <laughs> there's at least 46 other people out there <laughs> <laughs> out of the hundred who've watched this movie um, that agree with me and you know what I I'm I'm here for it oh my god this movie is just put your brain on vacation put any sort of um <laughs> realism in uh, uh, <laughs> 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 it, it is just She's still oh hasn't my recovered God. yet <laughs> It is so much fun It's just fun It's fun from the beginning all the way through It's it's gory as hell and you know um, Go there, on there's, there's a scene There's a scene that was hard to watch <laughs> you know, as funny as the movie is, I do have to get serious here for a moment. And I hope, I hope that no dogs were injured in the making of this movie.
0: Okay. If, if, there's no way that that scene involved a real dog. But, you well, know. that was
1: way too much blood for such a little tiny chihuahua. He was right? so cute. <laughs> oh my God, the dog had bling. Okay, the right. dog had bling.
0: Which for the record, no, you are not getting our dog any bling like that. It's not going to happen.
1: Oh, no, that'd be great. No, no, Big flavor, flavor. no. Can you picture it?
0: Sadly, yes. Like a huge yes.
1: clock hanging from our, that's our dog's why, neck. And
0: that's why I say no. No, that's also, not right. Let's get to the breakdown of this film. We start with Adam Devine, who played Alex with three X's. Yeah. <laughs> Take a look at the name tag. There's three Triple X's. X. Right. <laughs> so how is this completely wrong person for you?
1: Oh, my God. Okay. Can I just say that he led the charge? Like, the... The writing was so on point. It was so freaking funny. Like he would just go off, and you're just literally sitting there. Like minutes later, like <laughs> like you can't help but laugh, right? It is so brilliantly funny, and 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 it's kind of one of those like it's one of those buddy movies that's kind of like you kind of really feel bad for this dude, like. In the end, you know, uh, I don't want to say too much, but it's it's heartwarming. It's upsetting. It's like, yeah, I mean, you, you feel for him. You know what? You got to feel for him.
0: To a point, I feel for him, but to a point, I, I, I find him unsympathetic. Now, hear me out on this one here. Okay? Interesting. So, I feel sorry for him because, you know, Alex is a dreamer right? He's got big dreams. He has envisions of, you know, everyone has these grandiose plans and how they're going to make it big and famous and rich and the everything. And in many of those plans, you know, whether they be cocktail napkin sketchings or big grandiose ideas, they're they're probably made while you're drunk kind of thing. And then when you sober up in the morning, you realize that that's a bad idea. Alex, Never sobered up.
1: Right. I was just going to say that, that he is ever dreaming. And you know what? There's something, there's something cool about that, you know? But the, the, the keep prob- dreaming, Alex. The problem is,
0: though, is that, you know, he's a dreamer. Yes. Commendable. Um, but his ideas suck. And no one seems to really have the heart to tell him, honestly and like a friend. That the ideas are not going to to go anywhere.
1: Tell me, though, it didn't work out in their favor.
0: Oh, it worked out in their favor, but it's not necessarily that that's... He has this big idea that he can pitch anything and make money. And the other two guys in the trio, the, the Do-Ku, um, are like really the brains behind the operation. He's basically the, the front man of the trio. And... In that situation, I, I yes, he is a bit of a sympathetic character, but it's when reality starts to hit and he starts to see what the other two guys have been doing behind his back um, that he, he he sulks out and becomes a little, little pressy, a little prickly, and it's hard to feel sympathetic for him In those moments, but I also get that you also need to have him hit rock bottom so he can have that redemption arc. So,
1: no, but that was, you know what, that was him trying to process basically being left behind or being the third wheel of this trio.
0: Well, I mean, Alex seems to me like someone who never really grew up. So, it actually does make sense in hindsight that. Someone who never grew up is going to have, for lack of a better term, a tantrum when things don't go his way. You know, if he never had the ability to or the opportunity to mature, and let's be honest, Alex is not a mature person, um, then, yeah, the the reaction does make sense. I just personally find it hard to find him sympathetic in that moment. But it's when reality kind of hits him. Um, you know, he, he is a, a never quit guy it's just midway through you question if you're going to like him at the end
1: no you know what I I respectfully disagree I think it was at that point that I felt the worst for him because he was so alone his crew that he always thought had his back basically turned and went in in their own direction and he was alone at that point
0: I will say on Adam Devine's part, you know, now talking about the actor and not the the fictional character, this is a very unashamed performance and (laughs) uh, kudos to him for like literally uh, giving it his all and giving the audience his all, if (laughs) you will. I'm I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. But I mean, that's the thing. It's it's kind of the Gilda Radner rule uh, taken to full extremes here. The Gilda Radner rule is kind of like, you know, if you're going to fall, make it big, right? Uh, If you're going to have, like, that moment, like, make sure you take down all the furniture with you when you fall down because that's funnier, right? Here, yes, it's to a much bigger Netflix-allowed extreme, but he does go full out for the gag. And in that moment, there are moments in this film where you are laughing probably very inappropriately, and...
1: But it is just so over the top. Right? Like, the everything is so incredibly over the top.
0: If you watch South Park Bigger Longer Uncut and could not stop laughing, you're going to enjoy this film. Like, it's that kind of... It's both bad and wrong it's Badong. It's
1: badong. <laughs> it really is. I mean, at one point I was just snorting, snort laughing, and I'm like, I really shouldn't be laughing at this. <laughs> what am I, a psycho? Yeah, in that moment.
0: And and I think there's the funny thing, right? You have some comedy movies which which, you know, classify themselves as, you know, risque, if you will, but they don't go all the way. Right. Here's a film that literally said, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a borderline there. There's a, there, there's a decency barrier. Let's jump right over that. It's the equivalent of laughing at Hugh Jackman's testicle neck in, in movie 43. <laughs>
1: Of which you're still laughing about. (laughs) Uh.
0: Let's move on to Anders Holm, who played Darren, the stoner slacker of the trio, who was either incredibly frustrated or incredibly high. How was he for you?
1: Oh, God. He was so over the top. I absolutely... Actually, you know what? I found that the character of Darren really came into his own. Like, in the beginning, when he was first introduced, I'm like... Okay, I'm going to wind up hating this character. Out of the 3 of them, he's just kind of why is he even there? He's just kind of useless aside from like I don't know, obvious stoner gags. Like I thought it was funny, you know, he passed out on the bed and it's just kind of
0: <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> 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 And and literally like you could tell he was Oh, just the amount of abuse that he took from his friends. Like he, he was very much the, um, he was there for the comic relief. Yeah. However, however, I think of the three of them, he was probably like the most, I don't know, level-headed in the end. Like he was probably the most, I don't want to say likable because I really, I liked Alex. I think. You know, Alex was the one that was kind of done dirty in the end. But, um, but you know what? It they they were they were pals, mm. and they somehow saved the day through a series of un- very unfortunate events. <laughs> I
0: th- I think the interesting thing about uh, about uh, Darren in this is that here you have of of the of the trio, right? You have Alex who has dreams of. Uh, champagne wishes and caviar dreams if you will he has dreams about you know being rich and famous and it doesn't matter how he gets there and in Darren you have someone who has this goal of creating something for the sake of creating something and the end result for him is is the successful creation of the pro, of whatever the product is and not necessarily the commercial success of it so his is more of a you know creation for creation's sake as opposed to Alex who is creation for celebrity's sake and the nice thing from an acting perspective between these two is that these are the two main guys of the trio right this is where for lack of a better term the power struggle is in the Duke crew and when Alex is like up here Darren is mellowing out down here when Alex is sulking Darren's taking the lead and you can see them almost passing the baton of who's carrying the scene at the time and that makes for a very good comedy balance right you don't have Yes, there are moments when everyone is screaming and losing their minds, but it's more in reaction to someone else in the scene, i.e. one of the terrorists. And when it's just the three of them, you can see them kind of trading off control of the scene and it makes for not everyone trying to clamor for the attention of the viewer at that time. And it allows the scene to have a singular focus when it comes to the three of them. And that that's smart writing, and it's also smart acting. And I think you have to have the trio that, that has worked together a while on the show Workaholics to be able to find that balance.
1: I totally agree.
0: Now let's talk about the other person in that trio. Blake Anderson playing Joel. He's like the, if Alex is the front man and Darren is the brains of the trio, Joel is the the mastermind. He's, he's the maker of the thing. Uh, Blake Anderson as Joel for you.
1: You know, I was actually going to say I agree up until a certain point. I think Joel was, again, he started out the most unlikable and then literally rose to the occasion. Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, I mean, he was just as important. It, it's it's almost kind of like you needed three and no more because then it would have gotten muddied. Yeah, But you've got the completely way out there dreamer, like kind of the, anything is possible, make it so. And then you've got the stoner for, you know, better lack of a better term for comic relief. <laughs> and and I didn't see as much of a trade up, but I did see the rise of Joel. Yeah, and and that was key.
0: The funny thing is, Joel seems to be trying to find the balance between the two. Right, he agrees that you're probably going to have the ability to like. So the part of the the, the subplot of this movie is that the trio is trying to pitch their idea of this product called Skintendo, which. No, it's not Nintendo for porno. Uh, it's basically this bodysuit where you're controlling a video game character. Hence, the, the, your skin is the controller. Hence, Skintendo. Um, so, Alex really wants to sell this for the money. Darren wants to make this for like the, the playability of it. And Joel, as like the middleman of the trio, he's trying to help Alex achieve the dream and help Darren achieve... The, the the creation of it, but the fact that Alex and Darren's motives are on different sides, you have Joel who's trying to go back and forth and really kind of ignoring himself. And it's when he puts himself up front and becomes himself, um, then that's when you he does actually kind of step up. And I completely agree. Um, but the thing is, though, you did. You needed that ping pong ball between the two.
1: Mm -hmm. And exactly. He was like the perfect balance. He was, he was the middleman very much when, when, like you said, one is rising and the other tends to falter and one becomes more likable. You, you either like Alex or dislike him Mm -hmm. um, and vice versa uh, with Darren. But Joel is kind of even keel until he rises up. And it's that point where I'm kind of like, okay, you know, <laughs> he he's he's chewing bubblegum and kicking ass and he's all out of bubblegum.
0: Right. Okay. I'm going to try this name again here. And if I mess it up, I do apologize. Utkarsh and Mbutkar as Bay Awadi. I, I think I did okay.
1: <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. I, I,
0: ho- I hope I got that right. I'm
1: glad you're doing it, not me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as the Bay of Tunisia. Bay Awadi. How was he?
1: Oh, my God. God. Okay, so I sat there in my mind running through where have I seen him before? Was he in Free Guy?
0: Yeah, he was actually in Free Guy. He plays Mouser in that, the 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 friend of Keys when they're working at uh, at the video game company. Yeah, so you are right. That's him.
1: Oh my god. Okay, so definitely um it was you know what just seeing him kind of makes me laugh. His role in this was absolutely Perfect. It was actually very, um, it, it made me think of Takawaitini's character. Like it was almost kind of like a, uh, an homage to, right. <laughs> to that role. It would
0: um, be like if Mouser inspired. got Taika Waitini's job right. you know, at, at that game company. Yeah, no, I, I do get that. And the funny thing is though, um, in his, for lack of a better term, bravado right because there's got to be a bravado when it comes to when you're dealing with a situation like that is that there's this bluster at the beginning of the film right where he is all that and he's all snarky with the terrorists and you know even when things are going to 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 and people are dying you know he's still defiant in his in his snarkiness but it's there's that turn where real and you already said it. i'm gonna say it anyways and the dog buys it his dog right gets blown up and then you see the change in in baowadi
1: okay yes and no i mean even even right to the end he was like yeah i wasn't gonna actually cut you guys a check i just wanted to piss off the
0: yeah but but that's the thing the reality sets in Right? When he's at the party at the beginning, he's all, like, happy and stuff and trying to put on this public persona. And then the reality kicks in and you see just how much of a dirtbag Bayawati is. And that shines through in him turning down the Duke crew.
1: Which, you know, is still astonishing because he actually saw the product in action. Yeah. I mean... Damn, was that scene. <laughs> it was so wrong and so funny. Oh my God. If you haven't seen this movie, please, please watch the movie.
0: Inappropriate laughter will ensue.
1: Inappropriate laughter. Like, and I'm not a psycho, I swear. But oh my God, <laughs> just the scene with the Skintendo. Right. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say too much, but holy shit, watch this movie. It's so good.
0: <laughs> but it's it's interesting because, you know, it's one of those movies where you want the heroes to have their, for lack of a better term, reward. I'm not going to say happy ending because with this movie, that could mean anything. But, you know, you want them to get their just rewards in the good way. And the fact that it doesn't come from Bayawati, um it, it throws a, another curveball in here. It's not one of those, he was a good guy worth saving, it makes you question if everything they went through was worth it in the end they do actually you know still come out on the winning end of things but it's a it's a nice little curveball that shows that you know everything that they went through and almost justifies the bad guy in this so it's one. it's again it's a it's a smarter script than the you know the 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 dick and fart jokes are you know are led to be up front to
1: i just have to wonder like did they have the entire hotel like reserved for this party or like where's the other residence? right <laughs> like well, well did they that, shut down the entire couple, right uh yeah,
0: yeah that's true <laughs> oh my god speaking of the hotel let's move on to daniel stern who plays mitch the the manager uh, of the hotel um Not necessarily the Daniel Stern we're used to here.
1: Oh, my God. How, like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, here we have, you know, Daniel Stern, like Home Alone. He's he's like a cockroach. How does he
1: come back?
0: Oh, he's so wrong. (laughs) But the interesting thing is... And again, this is one of those characters that justifies the existence of the main characters, right? When you take a look at the dude crew and the shit they pull in the hotel rooms while they're supposedly house cleaning. They should not by any rights have a job at any hotel, yet they have this job. Mitch being the manager, almost... Justifies these three maintaining employment.
1: You gotta wonder why anyone books into this hotel. Like, I mean,
0: the <laughs> the, the building Ugh. looks nice, but yeah, no, it's you know, Mitch is. Well, let's put this out on Friday. Mitch is a perv,
1: like a cockroach. He's
0: a misogynistic perv, <laughs> and bag. right, um, and completely like like he's one of the boys or at least he likes to think he's one of the boys and in that he's definitely not one of the boys but tries to think he's one of the boys and in doing so he allows the dude crew to keep their jobs and pass the blame on to uh to cassie and it's yeah no it's
1: <laughs> what's hilarious that he, he treats cassie like one of the boys
0: yeah and that's the thing like she is so like hopeful for a, you know career advancement and meanwhile these three are up for um ah, for lack of a better term survivability you know, with that, with a number of drugs and things that they do in these hotel rooms. But well, yeah. I hear
1: that there might be an opening for hotel manager. Quite
0: possibly, yes.
1: But to the at same the term, end, though, you might want to just leave.
0: Yeah, just walk away. <laughs> just, just go walk apply at a Hilton or something. But that's the thing; like he plays Mitch in such a skeezy way that anything that happens to Mitch, you're you're just like, yep, absolutely had that one coming. <laughs>
1: Go to PantheonPodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win.
2: And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package.
1: And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
0: But since you mentioned her, let's talk about Aya Cash, who plays Cassie. I wish they gave her more to do in this.
1: You know what, though? It was almost kind of like the silent Bob rule. Because every time she spoke, it was like, "Oh, Right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: But, I mean, here's the thing. She is so eager and so by the book and so wants to, uh, you know, she wants to stand out, even though she's definitely not in the place where she's going to stand out. And then she gets... For lack of a better term, inspired almost directly or indirectly, uh, by Rona Mitra's Irma. Um, you know, when she walks by and says, you know, you want respect, you take it, right? Because she's one of the terrorists, and that's her personality. And you start to see that grow in Cassie, but we don't really see the mental you know, like fulmination or culmination of understanding that that saying, right? slowly but surely through the film, she starts to assert herself until you get to the end where she full-on asserts herself. Um, But I really wish, you know, because there is that weird dynamic between Irma, who's like almost on Cassie's side, even though she's, you know, holding up the hotel and, you know, threatening to kill everybody. Cassie, I wish there was more of that interplay, but then again, maybe I'm asking for too much Subplot or B plot in a movie with a whole ton of wobbly sausage.
1: I, I think so. I think you're <laughs> you're looking a little too deeply. However, um I, I mean I look at it differently. It was almost kind of like her character was so well played to be just so incredibly annoying and in everybody else's grill. Annoying, that annoying yet mousy. Yeah, but you almost want to see like I wonder why the terrorists didn't take her out quickly, but I'm glad they didn't. but it was like you know it would it would have been one of those things that at the beginning uh, it, she was just kind of like the rat, right yeah. like she's the hall she, monitor, yeah, yeah, she was uh, but. But oh my gosh.
0: She's the little sister trying to when, tell on the big brother and hope that they get in trouble.
1: Yeah, but when she did step it up, it was like, okay, you go girl. Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Waving around the wobbly sausage. <laughs> 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 you got to watch the movie. Uh, that's yeah. all I'm going to say. Yeah. Um Rona Mitra though as Irma, uh the female assassin crew uh you know, amongst the terrorists kind of thing and Uh, Again, I like that there was that one off line that she said to Cassie that kind of sparked Cassie's journey through the film, at least as far as her, you know, rise to, to, you know, self-declaring, self-declaring her. um,
1: It was empowering. It was was empowerment.
0: That's the the word I'm looking for. See, English bad (laughs) movie. Good English bad. But how was Ronamitra for you?
1: She was scary. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) She, yeah, she, uh, I mean, she was a tough broad in like the, the one female assassin Mm -hmm. out of like a van full of baddies, all men surrounded. And she was kick ass. She could have like, she was leading the charge. (laughs) I mean, really. And, and yet that turnaround where you could tell that she was just so hated, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh my God. Everybody played their role so good. She was so good at being so damn scary.
0: And the funny thing is like, Rona Mitra is a badass. Like we're, we're talking to an actress here who, you know, when they did the one Underworld movie that didn't have Kate Beckinsale in it, who did they put in that place? They, they put Rona Mitra in there. There's a movie that um, I would love to cover down the road called Doomsday. And she's a badass in that film. Um, she's a badass in this one too. But there's this moment where they end up in the, the the drug cloud and they get all stoned and she's passed out and whatnot. And they start drawing dick pictures on her face kind of thing. And yet, even in the absurdity of having all this, you know, sharpie graffiti on her face she's still a badass but that makes it even funnier there's one thing i want to point out though in this film and it centers around the character of of donald It's played by sam richardson he's the tech guy on the the crew that's taking over the hotel there are undeniable comparisons to die hard with this film right this hotel is for lack of a better term nakatomi plaza right the the motives are pretty much the same they're looking for money kind of thing but it's one of those things where rather than draw inspiration from Die Hard, if you will and then pretend it's not there donald actually makes a joke that yeah i'm here because i'm like that black guy in Die Hard, even though i'm not and yet the fact that they make fun of the joke actually makes the rest of the film funnier because they they put they put it out there on Farn Street. Like, yeah, we get it. We get it. We're wobbly sausage diehard and we're gonna go full tilt into it.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what? Um I think I really liked I, I I don't know. I I liked that scene where the 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 trio, the you know the bro crew. The
0: dude crew. The dude
1: crew. The dude Not crew. the my dude ap-
0: crew, the dude crew.
1: Mm, my apologies. Um, <clears throat> where they, they, they hold up in that room. And so they've got all these cameras, mm-hmm. all these cameras, like watching what's going on. And it's kind of like, it, that was really the pivotal moment where they formulated their plan. And it was like, it was so, so great. And then, he finished the sandwich, didn't he? he? Like,
0: no, he 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 died before he could finish the sandwich.
1: No, no, no. But um, Alex was like picking at the sandwich. After. Yes, he was. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, oh my god, you don't steal a half-eaten sandwich.
0: Well, the guy's dead. Ugh. I mean, he had one of the cooler deaths in the, in the whole movie. But yeah, <laughs> but I, I, again, it's one of those things where if you're going to draw comparisons because you are knowingly inspired by another film, and you're a comedy of this, you know caliber quotation fingers um yeah put it out there so no one can use it against you if you if you embrace the criticism then you can't be taken down by the criticism and that again very smart writing like i can't believe i'm saying this about this film but it is actually a smartly written comedy in going to do what they are going to do
1: it really was and i think that the Celebrity appearances mm-hmm. really, really like everything from um, who was that one blonde chick that like she literally had like two lines and it was like somebody sh- themselves. Oh, that I don't know who that's Jillian Bell. Yeah, oh my god, she was so funny. And so they escorted her out clearly. <laughs> She was the one who sh herself, but you know, I mean, I mean it was so fun. But Shaggy's appearance, you know. Um, there was another one too, one of the one of the hostages that what? every time they shot they showed him, I don't think he died.
0: No, that's Fred Armisen.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, there's there's an interesting level of of cameos in this, right? Like, They bring on, like, Donald Faison from Scrubs just so they can kill Donald Faison from Scrubs. You know, like, Jillian Bell is there to sh** herself and then get escorted out. Like, they're small cameos, but those moments are funny I mean Fred is gonna be funny no matter what you have him do and sometimes his reactions are just the comedy that you need um, there are some cameos where I'm not gonna lie I had to sit there and look up who the hell they were but that that's okay right because for some people that's going to be very recognizable to them but getting back to the terrorists here uh, Neil McDonough who played Conrad the guy who with the with the kanga hat on with the with the piercing eyes um Neil McDonough
1: again, horrifying, but you know, it, it's almost kind of like, you just, you just knew, right? Like he was just such a baddie that you knew that, um, he, yeah. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: I mean, it was so good. Right. The thing with Neil Madonna though, and I fully appreciate that when someone gets to play the baddie that they go full baddie and neil McDonough is very very good at that if you've ever watched any of the you know the arrow verse berlanti verse uh shows where he plays damian dark whether it be uh legends of tomorrow or arrow or the flash and he's so good at what he does because he he does he has such a menacing presence you know it's almost very Malcolm McDowell-esque when he's on screen but the other thing too is that you know and again I'm, I'm gonna drop a spoiler here so if you haven't watched the film um pause now go to Netflix and then come back an hour and a half later um when you realize that he's actually not the main bad guy it's a complete twist and all of a sudden you're like oh oh
1: yeah i don't know though i saw that coming i I mean it was so transparent that it's like
0: i saw there was an inside job i was not prepared for them to off neil mcdonough at that moment though
1: oh no
0: like i thought he would at least be um kind of second-in-command kind of thing, but the fact that he was as disposable as he was when that moment came, that's that's a fun little twist that you don't expect.
1: Well, I think that was key, though. It had to happen because it was almost kind of like the, the dynamics when bad guy X took over. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like, at that point, you don't want too many... Um, cooks in the kitchen so to speak
0: yeah i mean you would draw more diehard comparisons to that you know that uh mr ahmed would then become the hans gruber and you know neil McDonough is basically like the long blonde haired guy with the uh with the machine gun that, that that goes after you know john McClane. uh instead he's eliminated and all of a sudden it's like the the role reversal like this is that moment in age of ultron where ultron destroys his old self and comes out with the you know with a much bigger much stronger body it's like oh here's the bad villain yeah was
1: it Hans Gruber
0: it was Hans Gruber mm. yeah yeah but now since we're talking Hans Gruber let's talk about the Hans Gruber of this crew here Jamie Demetriou, who played Mr Ahmad
1: -aha uh-huh. I you know what I I knew as soon as I saw him earlier in the day I was like yeah he's something's not right why is he even there who is he yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, aside from expecting him to be the baddie, um, it, you know what, it was, and it, again, the mistreatment um, that uh, that he received.
0: From Bayawati? Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, you, you kind of like, don't know whether you want to cheer him on <laughs> at one point and then you realize no he's just he is leading the charge and he he's he is right out of his mind yeah um hungry with power yeah. see
0: see, here's the thing i would i would equate conrad as played by neil McDonough, more in that hans gruber kind of role whereas mr ahmed almost felt like and again, if you haven't watched Die Hard, uh, you go back and watch Die Hard here. Uh, you have to take a look at Harry Ellis. Uh, you know, the guy like Hans, Bubby, you know, the guy who like tries to cut a deal with the terrorists in order to save his own skin. Um, Mr. Ahmed feels a little bit more like that as opposed to more of the Hans Gruber because once the reveal is, takes place, he he becomes a little bit, sillier, which is good for the comedy, right? It it turns it back into a comedy rather than a straight diehard ripoff but did you find the effectiveness of Mr. Ahmed as the leader lost a little bit like during the shaggy scene, if you will?
1: You know what though? I, I was thinking about that because at first he started very serious and almost kind of like the victim. Like you, you kind of feel bad for him and then he's he's being made fun of. He's almost being belittled, publicly humiliated. Um, yet when he does have his moment of rise to power and then you just see him for the psycho that he is and it's kind of like, okay, I don't feel so bad for you. And the fact that you're so almost psychotically... Um, he, he, reveling in this. Like he was just so uh stage villain. Yeah, exactly. He was over the top. And um and, and I mean some of the some of the death scenes are pretty over the top too. So I think it fit. Whereas you have like the other um two assassins who were like like straight up scary. They were mm-hmm. just they like they were a force because they never broke um they never broke that that seriousness whereas mm. he goes completely
0: he he brings it back to the comedy a little bit yeah That's it the was thing. lighthearted. yeah like they didn't yeah again i, I keep referencing diehard because the comparables are undeniable and it's so obvious but it's one of those things where you needed to constantly interject more comedy because otherwise you're just going to be a straight diehard ripoff. And I think that's where this movie succeeds, right? It's, you know, it's, it's what, what Scream originally did for horror movies. It knew exactly what it was doing and yet did its own thing at the same time. Um, here, it knows exactly what it's doing. It knows that it's one of those, you know, diehard hard. The raid redemption, like those Judge Dredd, the Carl the, the, the Urban one, you know, it's everything in the tower. How do you get out of the tower?
1: I kind of look at it more like Smoke and Aces, which we spoke about recently. Oh. And the, the punk crew. Um
0: you, you need the tonic.
1: Where yeah, where where they were like completely out there, like overly just having it was almost like they were having fun with how evil they could be Mm -hmm. the same thing here. Um, You know, and then you've got like your like straight assassins, like the really scary, uh, the guy who had the mask and then um, the female hit
2: hit
1: ladies, (laughs) you know, who meant business. So it's kind of like almost that same dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. You have like the really scary ones who they just mean business and they're, they're just, they're they're legit they're like straight up psycho and then you've got like almost the lightheartedness like someone's just having way too much fun in their evil role yeah and i don't know what's scarier
0: i mean it, it's not like heath ledger joker i was gonna to say the joker yeah, right exactly. <laughs> because you know I, I found, if we're going to draw a Joker comparison. Uh, Mr. Ahmed is more of a Mark Hamill from Batman the Animated Series Joker as opposed to a Heath Ledger Joker. Um, it's not even, as, it's a Cesar Romero Joker, right? It's that kind of level of crazy.
1: Or Jack Nicholson, just having fun with it.
0: Yeah, Jack Nicholson to a point, but I think Cesar Romero was a bit more comedy than Jack Nicholson was. And that's, keep in mind, too, that's the Adam West series, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about you know, some of the comedy that's in this. And I'm not going to lie. It's a little on the crude side. You know, there's there's some scenes that, you know, if you're not ready for them, you're going to sit there and go, oh, this is funny. This is a, what? Do you think this film in some of those moments goes too far? Or, or is it? You know, should there almost be a disclaimer it's like you need to be in the right mind frame for this
1: <laughs> I I mean maybe maybe the fact that we watched this so late at night that I was already half sleepy and would laugh <laughs> at anything but I think most notably um, an early scene when they're in the room and they're looking around and there's used rubbers everywhere <laughs> and and you know, they're using that as part of their joke, yeah. right? Um, but then the couple comes in and, you know, poor Darren is already like, wah, stoned. He's passed out on the bed practically, like <laughs> just doing what he can to <laughs> keep breathing in then moment. words, yeah. Like really badly tripping. Um, <laughs> and just that moment of, you know, the couple could have been like, what the hell are you doing in the room? The woman was like, is he okay? You know, that, <laughs> that moment of like humanity in
2: right. this
1: messed up situation, like you come into a room, a hotel room, and there's three guys literally like swinging a used condom around like that. That's a bit invasive of, of privacy, I would dare say, but yep. you know what? <laughs> the fact that they were still like so concerned for for still, Darren's still health and full safety. condom too. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> again, the the crudeness of the humor. I mean, there were so many scenes. You know, with um, oh my god, with um,
0: with Alex Daniel
1: Stern. Yeah. I'm I like, how Stern, did yeah. he come back? <laughs> Here, put that on ice. Holy, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> there, <laughs> there is so much wrong in this. But there's also, if you get past that and look just that little bit deeper, there's a lot of humanity. Mm-hmm. I
0: mean, I'm going to bring this comparable up. There's a lot wrong with South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, right? And you, you go back and you watch that and there's still a lot wrong with that film. But they did it smartly in the fact that it is a musical, really. And that kind of takes some of the the wrongness out of it this film is not just for lack of a better term you know dick and salad tossing jokes be, you know for the sake of dick and salad tossing jokes it's there's a smarter script here that's hidden by some of the out there-ness of some of the some of the spots and the gags
1: and i think too you know what even with south park um you kind of have to, you have to go into it knowing what you're going to get. And if you can just, you know, suspend any sort of, um, humility, humanity, <laughs> and just kind of take it for what it is, that this is incredibly crude, incredibly out there. And you know what? Really just a fun ride for two hours yeah. to, <laughs> to kind of like, just accept it for what it is and just laugh along yeah. with the absurdity of it. I mean,
0: full disclaimer here. If you are squeamish at all at the sight of blood, um, maybe don't watch this film.
1: Okay, but it's so fake. Oh, it's, it's It good. is so fake I know, blood.
0: But, but there are some people out there who are so squeamish at the sight of blood that even the fakest of blood can still trigger that kind of reaction there are some scenes here there are some kills in this where they are a little on the graphic side they're played to for comedy but they are still on the graphic side of things
1: i don't know i think the used condoms got me more than the blood and guts is that is that bad does that make me a psycho?
0: <laughs> well, you did start at the beginning of the show, you know, trying to tell everyone that you're not a psychopath. And now you're sitting there going, blood, guts, yeah, no problem. But <laughs> but, but uh, you spunk-filled condom? That's where I draw uh, the line. It
1: was, okay. Had it been just like, just like a rubber, but they made it look used. Like, that was, to me, that was like, oh, uh, like, <laughs> Yeah,
0: Although poor it, Darren. It is nice to see that Cameron Diaz's hair gel from there's something about Mary is still being used as a movie prop. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but to the same token, if you're prudish in any sense, right, maybe this isn't the film for you because there there are some things that you sit there and go, oh, wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I
1: can't believe they just showed that. Right?
0: <laughs> of which now a lot of people are sitting there going, I need to go watch this film. And you know what? I'm going to say this. Don't look at the critic score. Like, this film is funny and wrong in kind of the right ways. And if you if you don't mind, um, you know, a movie that kind of goes, that sees the line and then jumps right over it, then this is going to be a good one for you.
1: It doesn't just jump. It kind of high jumps. It does it with style.
0: Oh, it pole vaults over that yeah. bar, right? <laughs> <laughs> but now it has come time. So, Carrie, who is... You know what? No, I'm going to backtrack that one here before we go. And again, spoilers. At the end of the film, there's a graphic that says game over man overboard. Do you want a sequel to this film or is this the kind of movie that it should be one and done?
1: Oh, my God. Yes. 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 Make see, it so. See, I don't
0: know because, and again, this is me putting this out there. How do you top
1: this film? Well, clearly, the guests on the houseboat, when at the end, when they're celebrating, something goes awry. I.
0: Okay. So I'm going to try to. Mentally manifest this because I know you like this film and I'm, I'm sure you would love a sequel. So let me try and mentally manifest this for you here. And I'm just going to put this out there that if any of the Duke crew are listening, if Kyle Nuichek is listening, um, here's where I sit here and pitch my idea to you. Okay. So this film takes a lot of lead from Die Hard. And when we leave off, You know, the Dew crew is on this party boat and they're celebrating and then there's like a a boat full of terrorists going after them. There's a movie, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, so apologies here, where Tom Hanks plays the captain of a boat that's that's boarded in international waters by pirates. And, you know, he has to kind of, you know, protect himself and his crew and his boat from these, uh, you know, basically... International water pirates and Tom Hanks, it is. Yeah, Castaway. No, it's not Castaway. No, 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 it's
1: with Wilson. I think they should merge this with um Pirates of the Caribbean, have Johnny Depp come out.
0: (laughs) No, 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 you you can't do that. You you can't mix it with Pirates of the Caribbean because Pirates of the Caribbean in itself is a comedy already you know the fact that this works in that sense is because it leans on well for lack of a better term a uh, a christmas film if you will but no it, it leans on the fact that it takes from an action film and then turns that on its head for comedy It's Captain Phillips is the movie I'm thinking of. Uh, Yes, it is Tom Hanks, and yes, he is protecting his ship from these pirates that have boarded on it in international waters. That's that whole, uh, you know, I'm the captain now kind of thing. If you take from a movie like that and adapt it to this Game Over sequel, then it continues on with the tradition of what you started with the first one and then allows you to literally springboard from that. But that's, you know, that's just me manifesting things into reality. But now it has come time. So, Carrie, who is your MVP of Game Over Man?
1: Okay. Everybody was just so incredibly great in their role.
0: You can't have everybody as your MVP.
1: But you failed to talk about the man. Wasn't me. Shaggy. Shaggy's your MVP. Okay. So, you know what? I have to say though, I was so disappointed because the trailer made that scene. It hyped it up so much that as soon as I saw Shaggy, I was like, oh, here we are, here we are. We're we're at that scene. It was a bit disappointing, but the fact that he was so under duress to sing, it it wasn't me. me. (laughs) It was so poorly done that it it was, that made it funny is that he just seemed to be so like, like as he's, <laughs> as he's like almost spoken word singing his own lyrics. It would, yeah.
0: I'm trying to now picture what it wasn't me would be like if done in the style of Leonard Cohen.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: So, and since you brought that up, Right. So the trailer does show that scene. And if memory serves, uh, when you're talking about a movie like Never Stop, Never Stopping, um, and you have Seal in the trailer and it kind of spoils that moment from that movie. Cameos like that, and maybe this is just me, cameos like that, should they even be in the trailers or should, you know, production companies stop spoiling the goods and just let those reveals happen?
1: I think in this case, it was actually more damaging that it was in the trailer because it did, it, it was the moment that I was waiting for. It hyped it up so much, but it was so different. Like I was expecting the guys to like-
0: Bust into the song? Break
1: out into the song and maybe even the the hostages, you know, or like a dance party to happen. And it, it so wasn't. It It was just literally- Shaggy singing under duress, yeah, and it. really poorly. And it was—I <laughs> think that's what made it so funny—is that it was just kind of like it. It was. It was. It was brief. It was a brief appearance, and no doubt had to have cost the production a lot of money.
0: Yeah, there's no Shaggy flash mop going on here. <laughs> okay, so how about f- you? For my MVP, I'm going with. Anders Holm, who played Darren, the, the stoner of the trio.
1: Interesting. Now I,
0: I did have shout-outs to Aya Cash who played Cassie. Um, I do wish they had more of her character in it, and we saw that development a bit more, but that's that's asking for more B plot in this film when that might have detracted from the, the the main, where the, the attention needed to be.
1: I, I disagree. I think that would have been unnecessary.
0: That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I would have liked it more, but it also would have detracted from the film. So I agree that it was the right amount for the film's sake, but I wish they had developed that character more. If they do a sequel, I would love for Cassie to be, like, the business manager of the do crew and trying to keep them in line. But again, that's that that's try to manifest that into destiny um but no it's anders home and i and i say that because and i recognize alex is the mouthpiece of the Do crew but after a while he got to be a little bit on the annoying side not adam devine because he played it as alex needed to be played but alex annoyed me after a while darren was the one for me that i found had the better arc in the story
1: And he can play stoned really well. (laughs) (laughs) Is he okay?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Carrie, thank you for picking this very Carrie movie for us to cover. And to you, our listeners, you guys know the drill. If there is a movie that you think is unfairly maligned, or it's just so bad that there's no way in heck that we can find anything good to say about it, hit us up on social media at NotThatBadCast, or go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com While you're there, you can go to our Coming Soon page and check out some of the movies that we are going to be talking about in future episodes, and let us know your thoughts on those films. We absolutely love to hear from you guys. Until next time, Carrie, you are lovely. Listeners, you guys are lovely too. This is It's Not